Come get on the train. Welcome into the Sports Buffoons Podcast. If it ain't easy. Uh, yeah, welcome back in to the show. Thank you all so much for joining along here with me. Uh, so we have a few things we want to discuss today. This is Mike Settle running it solo. And something I want to touch on just real quick, just for a few minutes here, is giving my bid farewell to our guy Alex Gordon with the Kansas City Royals, a great left fielder for the team for many years. Um, gone through a lot of ups and downs with the team. Probably the best defensive player we've probably ever had in the history of the franchise as well. So that's somebody I want to talk about just for a few minutes, as well as hit on some hard-hitting NFL topics as well. So Gordo leaves the Royals here in a shortened season after 14 straight years with the ball club, never played anywhere else for his career. You don't see that too often anymore in any sport for that matter. Guys seem to jump around team to team, especially in a free agency market where players are allowed to go and try to see if they can get more money elsewhere, things like that. The Royals ended up paying Alex Gordon, you know, plenty of money, the money that he was very happy with to stay with the team after the World Series in 2015. Finished his career with seven gold gloves, and he did such a phenomenal job taking care of his body over the course of his career. The guys make jokes about being able to eat some cake for the first time in years uh, this coming Sunday in his last game as a Royal. And like for as far as his defensive measurements, as far as with his arm ability, the guy had the most putouts in the American League in 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2019. And then as far as games played, number one is, is left fielder in 2012, 2013, 2014, 2019. And, of course, the most assist in 2011, 2012, 2013. So as far as as an active left fielder, he is the best defensive left fielder in the MLB currently. And once he retires, someone else has to step in and take over that spot. I'm not sure who it's going to be, but as far as defensively, the guy has been amazing for our team. He's had many ups and downs. He started his career a little bit rough. Uh, he ended up having to go back down to the minor leagues for a little bit. And then in 2011, came back and batted over 300 for that season. So um, his career actually reminded me a little bit of our Derek Johnson's career in Kansas City Chiefs. Derek Johnson went through a phase as well. He was drafted in 05, had a very good rookie year. But after that, it seemed like there was, I don't know what to call it, but there was an issue with getting Derek Johnson to be motivated almost to want to just be a, be a stud week in and week out for the Chiefs. And it's almost like he just kind of went by with his talent alone when he was playing with the Texas Longhorns. And he got to the NFL, and it's like, okay, it's not quite that easy. You're going to have to put in a little bit of work. And Derek Johnson, as soon as Todd Haley came along, Derek Johnson got motivated at some point. I don't know if Haley pissed him off or what it was. But after that point in 2010, Derek Johnson turned it up, ended up being a superstar linebacker for the Chiefs. And Alex Gordon did something very similar with the Royals as well. He got motivated in 2011 and just turned it all around and ended up becoming one of the better players the Royals have ever seen in the history of their franchise. But with all that said, I just wanted to give Gordo a quick shout out. As being a lifelong Royals fan, uh, I just uh, you know, I admire the guy, his work, work ethic, and the way he's performed, and the way he has always held himself accountable, and the way he's handled himself as a professional has always been very admirable. And as somebody who, if you have a young kid and you're trying to show them as far as how you need to be, you know, getting your body prepared for the game, being committed and taking care of yourself. He's a guy you want to point to and say, hey, here's a good role model for how you should be conducting yourself on and off the diamond, and uh, especially nutritionally. He's a guy you want to you want to talk about as far as 
just freaking dedicated as hell. Alex Gordon is definitely one of those guys that got the most out of his own body through a lot of uh, just work and dedication over time, over the years, and putting in effort um, to be great. And he did it. He did it. Offensively, I mean, what? He, he batted 257, whatever. He was a great, big, important piece of the puzzle for the Royals World Series 2015 season. So that should always be thought of in a very high note. And thank you so much, Gordo, for your 14 years in Kansas City. The next thing I want to get into real quick here is, you know, despite the fact that I feel like all logic and common sense has been thrown out the window in the year of 2020, uh, I still I don't understand what's gone on in week two of the NFL with the coaches on the sidelines having to wear masks at all times. We're in trouble, aren't we? Oh, yeah. You're in big trouble. Uh, it's absolutely crazy to me and makes absolutely no sense when you're talking about teams who are not even allowed to do anything other than be with themselves at the moment. They're not really allowed to go interact with the rest of the public in a normal setting. They're not able to, able to go do and be out, out there at bars and clubs and hanging out and stuff like that. They're very much bubbled in, and you're around each other every day. I mean, even in the meeting rooms, um, at practice field, just every single day you're around each other as a coach and as a player. Now, why is it that these coaches right now have just been fined? We had Seattle's Pete Carroll, Denver's Vic Fangio, and San Francisco's Kyle Shanahan. Each was fined $100,000 apiece, as well as the teams being fined $250,000. So not only is it just the head coaches for those teams, but the teams themselves were also fined $250,000, which ends up coming out to over a million dollars in mask fines. Now, I know that it was just brought up after week one. A week ago, Troy Vincent, the NFL's executive vice president of football operations, came out and basically told everyone that they sent memos to clubs, cautioning coaching personnel to wear their mask at all times. In the memo, Vincent said failure to adhere to the protocols in place would lead to sanctions. According to the quotes within the memo, obtained by CNN from a league source, the memo came after several NFL coaches were seen not following league protocols for face coverings during the first NFL Sunday since the coronavirus pandemic. Um, now, it's not so much I have a problem with that. And I know it's you just you just go, oh, well, look, there's rules in place and the coaches didn't abide by them. So we got to find them. We got to do something. We got to get do something about them where, you know, if you look at this from a more logical standpoint, it's like, OK, none of the players are wearing masks. Obviously, they're wearing a helmet. And even when they're on the sidelines, their helmet can come off. You don't got to wear a mask. So why are the coaches in a position where they're having to wear their mask at all times during the during the entire football game? Uh, it's obviously not going to be comfortable, you know, in that situation to be wearing a mask. The NBA started off wearing masks for their coaches, and now they're not wearing masks anymore. I just don't understand why you have individual teams here, and you got guys running up, rubbing all up against each other, sweating all over each other, getting spit on. It's natural. It's a part of the game. That's the way things work. You're going to get a little bit of body fluids on each other when you're playing football. But <laughs> here's the deal. How are we going to look at that, and that's going to be normal? There's no differences in tackling. There's no differences in any of those things. But then, oh, we, we cut over to the sidelines and show a, a shot of uh, Pete Carroll on the sidelines with his mask down. And, oh, man, we got to come after him now. we got to go find him $100,000 because, oh, that's right. He's not complying. He's not making us look good. You know, he's going against what we say. So, I mean, you, you go against our rule, then we got to come at you. So... But you're coming from a very different standpoint with that because you're not looking at it from a logical standpoint at all. 
you're literally putting on a facade in front of America to say, oh, this is bad and this is okay. But it doesn't make sense because they're all together anyways. Um, they're surrounded with each other. It's almost like telling, you know, if you if, say you live with your wife and two other kids and your two kids don't got to wear a mask at all, but you and your wife have to wear a mask at all times. It's just like, okay, we all live together. What? We're family. We all live together. And so now we have to, we have to wear a mask. No, no. You're putting on a show for the TV. That's all it is. And I wish the NFL would just admit that instead of coming after these coaches the way that they did and finding them and finding the teams as well, even though one was the Denver Broncos. Heck, it's just still wrong is wrong in this situation. And it doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense at all. Keep in mind, the entire league is being tested daily. So they're not only playing mostly outdoors, as it is anyways, but they're also being tested daily. If you're being tested daily within your coaching staff, within your entire team, then why the hell are you wearing a mask on the sideline? If you've been tested, you tested negatively for the coronavirus, for COVID-19, then why the hell are coaches being forced to wear a mask on the sideline? And if they don't, they get fined. Freaking silly. But I will say the coaches should have taken my advice from last week, and that is all of them just need to get the clear face shield that Andy Reid's been wearing. So that way it eliminates any problems. You don't got to worry about taking off and on your mask throughout the games. You could still have the shield on, even though if you really pay attention, the coaches around the league know this is all phony. But the NFL is going to make sure that they signal out to the public that, uh, oh, well, look, look, look at us. We're doing a good deed. We're saving lives and et cetera. And uh, meanwhile, the, the, in their situation, in their circumstance, it's completely unnecessary. And we're not even using any kind of brain or logic. We are like trying to like show you to the public and go, oh, look at the good deed we're doing. You all should follow along instead of, you know, thinking for yourself. And maybe, oh, maybe the NFL, we all get tested every single day. And we're all negative because we haven't had problems with COVID at all, really, in the past month. Ah. Uh, I guess we really don't need a mask, do we? No, we got to put it on for the show. We got to put it on for the TVs for you people out there in case uh, I guess you guys can't think for yourselves. So they got to show you how to do it, I guess. All right, guys. So last week I was not able to give you guys my hot take of the week during our trio podcast with Tanner and JG as well. So I'm going to give it to you right here and right now. And uh, this is going to be one that maybe is not that surprising. But it's going to be surprising from the standpoint that it's not happened in a while. Oh, behave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah. But I think that the Las Vegas Raiders are a playoff team this year. I think that the way that they've looked so far, I know they're 2-0, and and they played really well against the New Orleans Saints on Monday Night Football. I was very impressed, and I'm very, very impressed with Josh Jacobs, their running back. I think he's an absolute workhorse. I think he is the perfect fit for what that team needed as far as the ground game, and they have a decent receiving game as well. I think there's a lot of things working there. Um, defensively, they got a few players that I like, but uh, for the most part, I think it's going to be more about ball control with the Raiders this year, finishing up the season. As time goes on, I mean. Um and it's going to come down to eliminating turnovers, which so far Derek Carr has done a pretty decent job of. And really, if he can just be a game manager type of quarterback, that's probably the ideal situation for him and his playing style is to be able to hand the ball off to Jacobs, pound the rock, defense can play just good enough. I think this is a 
10 and 6 type of football team that the Raiders are dealing with and they're playing against the New England Patriots this week and I did pick the Raiders to win this game. I think the Raiders are going to go 3 and 0 and I, I hope they don't. I mean for the sake of everything that's right in the world, I hope the Raiders don't go 3 and 0. But I like the way their team is playing right now. They're playing very sharp and I think the the Gruden Mildly, might have finally gotten something going right with that team and gotten right within their heads as far as the type of commitment they need to be making to themselves um, and structure as well. So I think they're on a, a good path this year, and it, it's been a while. The Raiders have not been to the playoffs since 2016 when they played the Houston Texans and lost in that game. Um, and then before that, it was 2002. So their last playoff win was 18 years ago. So... Um, this is a team I think that they're due to get back in the playoffs again, get back in the mix at least. I'm not saying they're going to win yet but because we don't know who they're going to be playing against, but I do absolutely like their odds, I think especially now if we consider this as well. I think that the Broncos are now eliminated from the AFC West two games in, I know, but look, they're not going to be a productive team going forward with Cortland Sutton out for the year, with Drew Locke out for at least a month, probably more. Um, they already had Von Miller out for the season. The Broncos, to me, are just sorry, guys. You guys are going to be finishing six and ten again, something along those lines. Uh, the Chargers on the other end as well. I think that they're a decent enough team. I do like their defense actually, but they're always full of injuries. Um, Tyrod Taylor somehow the, the worst luck in the world to get a punctured lung from your own team doctor during <laughs> giving you a painkiller shot injection. Um, that's pretty amazing. Um, I, I could see the Chargers finishing somewhere around, you know, seven and nine, eight and eight, and definitely see the Raiders going around somewhere around ten and six this year. While the Chiefs still prevail, the Chiefs are still the top option. The Chiefs are still the AFC West front runner and will be the champions again for the division. So there's no worries there. But I just like what the Raiders have to offer this year. I'm really excited to see what they can do with the rest of their season for Las Vegas and you know all that kind of thing. So. It's coming from a different perspective this time for me. And as much as I love to hate them, um, I still like to occasionally see teams who deserve to succeed have some success. And I think this is finally a year for them where they're going to be on the right track and at least in the right direction. And I don't know that Derek Carr is necessarily their quarterback going forward for the future, for long term, but he's good enough to get it done for now at least and at least get them to the playoff level. Let's see, he already did it, like I said, a few years ago when they lost to the Texans in a wild card game. So I'm sure he could do it again. So biggest thing you have to watch out for, though, is as the weather changes. Derek Carr in cold weather is absolutely awful. Freaking one of the worst quarterbacks in cold weather in NFL history, as a matter of fact. So, yeah, they're starting off good, 2-0. and Maybe go 3-0 and if they can beat the Patriots. But as the weather changes, as they start having to adjust and go to cold weather cities in December, late November, and I'll see if they can make that early season success sustainable going forward after that. So that is my hot take of the week is the Raiders are a playoff team. All right, guys, I just wanted to give you a quickie today. That's what she said. And uh, that felt really good to get out of my system. So uh, for the moment being, I'm going to let you all go and we will be back very soon. Give us a follow at Sports Buffoons. My ha Twitter handle is... KC Rockaholic, but do not follow me on there because I say a lot of dumb shit, so let's avoid using that one too much. And just get us at Sports Buffoons. Send us questions anytime you have something to talk about. 
uh, especially fantasy questions. We love talking fantasy football. I ran my own league personally um, for almost 20 years now, and that means I started running one when I was, I think I was like 13 years old, as a matter of fact, but um, so maybe 17 years. So I've been running fantasy league for a long time and following fantasy for a long time, and it's one of my big passions. So uh, for you guys out there who have a lot of questions and a lot of input, I know on Twitter this past week we had a couple guys who wanted to mention a few things and ask a couple things about stardom or sit on their specific teams, and I appreciate that a lot. So we love talking about that with you guys and hoping for success for our fans uh, going forward. So um, until next time, I will see you all on the next one very soon. Flipping ain't easy.